Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. Hey, today as we look at Christmas, um, I don't know, I, 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 I read, somebody posed the question to me, how would you describe like using uh, various words or a phrase, like how would you describe Christmas? Like how in like three words or like a phrase of like God coming in the flesh, how would you describe, how would you, um, how, would, how would it be described? How would you explain that to somebody? I was just find that a little bit interesting. And um, one of those words I would say that describes Christmas is hope. And hope is a word that is talked about all over the scriptures and hope our lives pivot around that word. And it's fact, it's why we're all gathered right now, right here, is around that word hope. Our lives pivot and revolve around that word. And it's around that hinge, around that pin is why we are all here today. We believe and we're trusting in that there's just a greater sense of hope. And Jesus offers that, and Jesus gives us hope. And so that's exactly why we are all here today. Or if we have not, um, if we haven't um, sort of, if we're kind of searching for that, maybe that's why we're here. We're sort of kind of hoping things will turn out and hoping things will get better. Um, And Jesus offers that. It really does. The birth, and it's not hyperbole, and I'm not trying to sell you anything, but the birth does change everything. The birth of Jesus changes everything. Everything about us, when God became flesh, it changes everything about us. And so I'm not trying to, that's not a gimmick or trying to say anything, but that is true. Hope. Um, happiness is hope fulfilled and sadness is hope destroyed. Every decision, response, and relationship is filled and fueled by hope. There is almost 200 instances of the word hope in the Bible and about 10 different Greek and Hebrew words Uh, root words that are about hope. Most of those roots share one commonality, expectancy, expectation, and waiting expectantly. And they project the source of trust and confidence, and most of them have a positive connotation to it. But the phrase, there's also a phrase, it's called false hope. And it stems, stems from a Hebrew word meaning disappointment or deception. And that word is also used throughout the Old Testament far more times than the words for true hope. And it's actually used in Psalm 33, 17. It goes like this. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great cause, it cannot rescue. And that's what's interesting about that is when you and I consider our tendency for hope in all the wrong places and all the counterfeit things, true and blessed and soul-anchoring hope has a name, and that is Jesus. And maybe we've heard that before, and perhaps on this Christmas Sunday, hope has been replaced with false hope. Maybe we're tempted to say today on Christmas, we're tempted to say, if only I had blank, then my life would be full and good, etc., etc. And this Christmas morning, I want to invite us to behold and marvel at just of what this morning means for all of us. What this morning has meant for so long, for so many years, and just marvel at that. No matter your circumstances right now, the incarnation is proof that there is hope and that God loves you and, so, and God loves us. And we often forget that even the world of the first century, when God became, when God 
came as a man in the first century and came as a baby. And that, that period of time, a period in history, was just as broken as it is in today's world. Like when God, when, when Jesus came, it was just as broken as today's world. The world of the first century was dominated by cynicism and dominated, just dominated by it. And Alexander the Great conquered these lands. He established Greek culture and language and the Romans conquered the Greek while keeping the Greek culture and they instituted their own pagan, uh, pagan philosophies and practices. And it seems as though that when, when, when Jesus came, it seems as though God had moved on from it all. God had moved on. And we see evil in the news every day, almost blasted on headlines and titles. And the moment we see it, we click on it. We know the deep darkness in our own human hearts with our friends, perhaps our families and whatnot. We know those darknesses in our human hearts. We see the brokenness of our families up close and personal. And sometimes Christmas can accentuate the heartache and the pain in, the, in those circumstances and today can be no different on Christmas. You see, the birth of Jesus is indication that God intends on coming very close to us and coming near to our circumstances and offers redemption through our circumstances. Yet this is how God enters our world, your world, and my world, a world of hard places and in human flesh. Those through these two people, Mary and Joseph, we've talked about them, we've looked at them, the faces of them, a young Jewish carpenter and Joseph, two people in the world's eyes, extremely unlikely, uns and unlikely, and people without any kind of notoriety in the back, in the back roads of Bethlehem. So you feel like God maybe can't use you, or maybe God can't simply just birth life out of your circumstances, perhaps, maybe in your family, or maybe in your past. Maybe it's too much to overcome. You see, John 3.16 reminds us, and maybe this is the 98th time you've heard this verse. Maybe this has been, this has been a verse since, you, uh, since the womb. You have been, you've heard this verse. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loves, and God chose to descend into your world through a birth canal, on a starry night in a 200-person town of Bethlehem. And God came off of his throne, not because he stepped off of it and through Jesus, because he was birthed into it and because he loves you very much. And that's why he did it. John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and still dwells. God did not dwell and then all of a sudden quit dwelling with us. He still dwells with us. He came as one of us like us and he was one of us. And many of us have wondered how to depict God. How, how should we describe God? How could we look at God? What could we learn from God? And we learn that God dwelt among us as a baby. An infant with crying spells and hungry bellies entered our world and became human down to the littlest fingers and toes that, that he must have had. He entered our world of cranky neighbors and sicknesses and ailments and heart-wrenching moments. And we wonder, does God care if I'm sad? Does he look at the tear-streaked faces of his family at Lazarus's? He looks at the family at Lazarus's tomb. Does God care if I'm afraid? You see, he looked at others in the eye in the storm of Galilee as it raged on and rescued his friends. Does God care if I'm rejected or I am ignored? And we look upon the compassionate eyes of Jesus 
as he stood to defend the poor and the lowly and rejected across his life. And none of that would have been possible if it wouldn't have been for the today and it wouldn't have been for the birth of Jesus. None of it would have been possible. So what does this really mean? What does the incarnation really, truly mean? What does it actually mean? Today, it really does change everything. It means that God does care and that God does see us for who we are. And that's, again, what I've said. It's not a, this is not a bumper sticker slogan to say that, the, that, that this changes everything, but it does. It's not that bumper sticker slogan to try and sell you something like the guys down at the flea market probably would next week. But it's that God rescued us and rescued you and rescued me and sent someone perfect to be, to be without sin to be us. And yet in the most profound and humble way possible, God says, I love you. I am here for you. I am here to save you. And without the incarnation, without, without this day, we would be in perpetual darkness. No light whatsoever. And yet God broke through the darkness and now his light shines. There is something more powerful than any force of evil in this world has to offer. And the world feels evil. And it feels chaotic. It feels dark. But it's more powerful than any force of evil in this world has to offer. And that is Jesus. And I know it's not always easy. And at times, the darkness, even now, even on this Christmas Sunday, the darkness can feel close. And the darkness can feel strong. But the light is stronger than that. The light is stronger than that. And that God did not sit on the sidelines. God broke through. And God can break through for you because of what today means. Light came into the world and darkness did not, has not, will not overcome it. God has not stopped being sovereign over all. He has not stopped being all-powerful and all-knowing over all. You see, and one of the great, great truths about this, about the entire Christmas story comes in the book of Matthew, verse 23. And you may have heard of it before. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God walking with us currently right now. And if you accept and believe that, he can be born in you. Emmanuel can be born and lives with you. It means that God is with us and God with you. Jesus makes this all worth it. And we can worship him today because of that. And so today we're gathered here to celebrate that day so long ago. And yet it's just as real as it was then. Can you imagine like 2020, well, Gregorian calendar, whatever. But 2023, 2022 years ago. It's 2022, right? Yeah, 2022. The so long ago, 2,000 years ago, of what might have taken place because of what this day means and what this day looks like and what this day uh, truly looks like for all of us here today gathered uh, because of this day. And as we are gathered here to celebrate and to recall that day so long ago, so tangible, it's so tangible in our lives to this very day to us, to all of us gathered. And so what will we do with Emmanuel? God with us? What will be our response? What will we do knowing that if God is with us, what does that change about us? If knowing that this truth is truth, what does this day actually mean for us right now, wherever we are? Because I know for many of us 
who have walked through these doors this evening, this morning. It is not evening, it is morning. For many of us who have walked through this this morning, um, maybe Christmas looks a little bit discouraging this year, or maybe it just looks a little bit chaotic, or maybe it just looks a little bit disheartened. I just want to kind of have us remember the promise this morning that Emmanuel is God with us and God with you and God with all of us. And we can come to know him because of that. That's, that is, makes life worth living. It's because of what Jesus has done and what God has done through Jesus. Um, so as you go throughout this day and as you kind of, you know, kind of start to think about and start to walk through this, I pray Man, the slightest crack of light would, that God would start to shine that amidst her. So if it feels fractured, if it feels like the light has gone dim, I'm praying today that the, the truth of the incarnation, the truth of what God did through Jesus would come shine a bright light upon your life. Whatever that may look like, even if it's the smallest light possible, that God would start to shine a light on that. And then what would it look like then to live into the truth that really, as if God was really with us. What would it look like in our families, and our friends, how we interact with people, how we look at the world? What would it look like to really embrace the fact that God is really here as just as he was way back then, 2,000 so years ago? What would it look like to actually live like that, to know that God is with us and with you and with me? Worship team, we're going to come on back up here and sing one more song. Before that, I'd like to just say a prayer for us. Pray as we look at this story. Um, that the very real Jesus would come very close to you and shine a light amongst your life the word was made flesh and dwelled among us and still dwells. He didn't go back. He went back to heaven. But he didn't leave us hanging here. He didn't leave us hanging. And so maybe Christmas this year maybe looks a little bit lonely. Or maybe it looks a little bit fearful. But if you can leave here today knowing three words, God with us, then I pray that that would hang upon your life and just hold that close to you as you leave here. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in this Christmas morning and we give you ourselves and our lives. Lord, we give you our hurt. We give you our pain. We give you our discouragement. We give you our hopes and dreams of life and we lay them at your feet and we lay them at the manger. Lord, you can birth anything into our circumstances. It doesn't matter how far gone we've gone how close we are to you, that you come to all of us, that you came and died and lived and reigned in us. And you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. May that come to be a very real and tangible truth in our heart today. And may it catapult us to a life of faith and a life of following you even more deeply and more fully so that we may worship you and your strong and mighty 
name we pray. Everyone gathered here said together, amen.